you talk about dreams a lot. I kind of think dreams are, I mean, they're kind of fluffy. If you got like an idea or a dream or whatever, you, you really need to think about it if you really want to do it. And you need to think about it a lot. And you need to think about why it won't work first. And if the good of why it would work will outweigh the bad, then you just keep going over and over it till you refine that dream into not only just a vision, but a pretty clear vision of the path to do that. And then you take all those small steps you need, just one a day, dude, just one a day towards that bigger goal or that bigger vision. Because dreams are kind of like, I just feel like, oh, it would be a dream. It doesn't sound realistic, but dreams, really, everything is realistic, I seriously am a big proponent of the American dream, meaning this is a great place to make those sort of ideas or visions happen. And and I think it's very doable. When people talked about cleaning up the Mississippi River or whatever, you know, a million trees, it was kind of like, yeah, right. People didn't necessarily believe, but it is. You just keep doing it. You can work real hard and you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. Hi, this is Josh, and this is The Joshua Spodek Show, formerly Leadership in the Environment. I still bring you leaders in the area of the environment in the form of leaders and role models. Everyone treats stewardship like a burden or a chore, deprivation, sacrifice. So did I until I actually tried it seriously. It is a joy. Everything about it. We're here to share that joy. Meet amazing world-renowned people from all parts of life. Hear about them, what the environment means to them, and hear most of them find something meaningful to act on and then to share their experience. Why? Because stewardship and acting to help others for something greater than all of us creates about the greatest feeling humans can get, as does fresh air, clear water, delicious food, and clean land. That's what we're bringing you. Many people suggest to be potential guests for my podcast who are doing, air quotes, environmental things. They generally don't know my strategy with this podcast, and I'll link to an episode clarifying it, but the the crux of it is that this podcast is leadership in the environment, leadership first for a reason. Most people are trying to do something like they're making some process more efficient, like they're making cars electric, or they're using less plastic in some process. I would call that management. That's tactics. It's accepting the values of a system that pollutes and generally augmenting and accelerating that process. If you have a system that pollutes and you make it more efficient, you'll pollute more efficiently. That is, with less work, you'll get more pollution. And that's what we're doing. People anticipated Uber would decrease miles driven, but it's increased miles driven. It's the opposite of what people expect, but it's what happens. If it's just focusing on management or tactics, but you're not looking at leadership or strategy, you're not changing the system. Chad, on the other hand, started a nonprofit called Living Lands and Waters, where people get in the river, roll up their sleeves, and clean garbage up. Actually, not just getting in the river, because they have giant barges with these giant cranes. I'll link to the videos that they've made so you can see what they do. And at first it was just him, but now it's huge. I looked at what Chad does, and I can see what others might. One person won't make a difference. Even a whole organization won't make a difference. If you're just cleaning stuff up, it's not stopping people from putting stuff in the river. It doesn't scale. This is the sort of thing that Silicon Valley wouldn't get. They would say, it's not worth doing. If you can't fix everything, don't even bother starting. If you really want to get this pattern, read former guest of this podcast, Anand Girardis' book, Winners Take All. He'll probably make you feel sick at this phrase, doing well by doing good. That is contributing to the problem while feeling that you deserve thanks for acting like you aren't. He fully treats this pattern, although he applies it in the area of economic disparity instead of the environment, but it's the same pattern of people like, oh, I got to do something separate that, yes, it might pollute, but eventually I'll make enough money and I'll donate or something like that. I'll, I'll have someone else do it, but I won't do it myself. Chad shows the joy, community, and connection in doing the work. 
It's not like, oh, I have to do it or someone's got to do it. It's joy. He really, I think you'll hear changing the values that we act on. We're not acting on scale first and then figure out, no, it's hard for me to get this across. Hopefully if you get it, you get it. Hopefully listen to Chad. I can't really put into words as he does the joy, the community, the connection that I hear coming from him. I can't do it better than he can. So let's just listen to Chad. <laughs> Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Chad Pregracki. That's it, man. Nailed it. Yep. And with Tammy nearby, his wife. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about, there's a couple things I want to talk about. And you started asking me this, and that's why I said, let's start recording, was why you and what my interest is. Because a lot of people contact me and they have like this environmental thing that they're doing and they want to do the podcast. And I support them doing these environmental things but most of them I decline and you're doing something different. And it's taken me a while to understand why I said yes to living lands and waters, even with enthusiasm and a lot of others I didn't. And maybe it would be best to start off with what, can you tell us about living lands and waters? I'm sure you've answered that question a million times. I hope I don't uh, bore you with the question. Sure. But I'm wondering why you didn't go with them. Why, Why would you say no to them or what, What's the deal with that? Just curious. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it came after watching the videos of what you guys do. Okay. So hopefully the people, so if people listen to this and they they pause and go look at the videos. Everyone go look at the videos first, but explain what you do because I want to, you can say what you do better and, and I hope I've understood it well. So I, um, I essentially help to clean up rivers. It was typically, uh, I spend most of my time on the Mississippi River, but a lot of it's tributaries. The bigger rivers in the country, we kind of focus on. We're like, um, what started out in just a John boat has, is like an industrial strength. It's grown into like an industrial strength river cleanup operation. And it's the only one like in the world. And, um, Cleaning up as in removing garbage sounds pretty simple, but we're not just picking up the pop bottles. And I mean, we'll, we'll remove anything from, yeah, a pop can to a sunken barge, you know, like, uh, or boats or school buses or tractor. I mean, just all sorts of stuff, just small stuff, big stuff, whatever's not there. We remove, you know, like thousands of 55 gallon barrels and thousands of tires and um, just anything that shouldn't be there. We, we as a team, I run an organization called Living Lands and Waters. It started out just me, and and now it's a group of 13 uh, dedicated individuals, guys and girls. Um, and we we essentially, like I said, clean up rivers in, in an odd fashion, I'd say. We have a lot of equipment to back us up, but we try to make it like a fun um, experience for people, volunteers, that is. And we have a really good track record of, of bringing a lot of people together from all walks of life and getting help in, in our mission of clean up rivers. And yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And we got some real good results to be able to, uh, to back it up now. So as far as tonnage and things like that, and yeah. And you guys have yourselves your own barge. It's a, with a giant arm and stuff to pick up. Like, I mean, I've seen in the videos of you picking up like, I don't know, refrigerators and things like that, that people just leave in the river. Yeah. We have barges, uh, five barges, two tow boats, uh, six 30-foot work boats. We have excavators. John Deere gave us an excavator, caterpillar skid steers, 
I mean, all sorts of equipment. And then we have like a fleet of work trucks that help uh, where where the barges can't go. You know, um, we'll trailer our boats to go to different places. But we typically work, I'd say, on average about 10 to 12 different states a year, kind of. Um, depends on the year where we go. But we go town to town, city to city, and set up um, large and small scale river cleanups for groups, anywhere from five people to 500 people. I mean, it's it kind of varies, but uh, yeah, when sometimes at some of our cleanups, we'll literally fill a barge in three hours with the amount of help we we have, and uh, it's really rewarding work in so many ways. It's really it's really cool to do, and it's great to be, you know, just sort of leading it and and just trying to make it happen with a unique uh, team of people. It's awesome. Man. What listeners don't know is that just before we hit record, you're like jumping around to all these different things and you've taken on this very dedicated, serious, not serious, but like I'm reading that you really love what you do. I mean, there isn't much to not love about it. It is very demanding. It is very, it's serious. You know, I mean, in so many ways, one, the problem, the task at hand is serious. The problem of all the plastics, all the trash in our rivers that lead into our oceans is a serious problem. And then just, you know, with dealing with all these volunteers, we have to work in a very safe manner in unpredictable circumstances a lot of times. And and so behind the scenes, it's a pretty serious deal. And, you know, there's heavy equipment and barges and towboats. And so there's, but we also want to make it a really fun sort of experience for all these different volunteers. And when I say that, we might do a hundred and 150 events to 200, uh, over 200 events a year in, in 10 different states. So it's a really nonstop type go, go, go forward. You know, you got to be thinking about the next steps and there's a lot to it is what I'm getting at. So yeah, jumping all over, joking around before. And then now it's time to, time to get serious and talk about what you do and, and all that jazz, you know? So, yeah. And I'm not going to ask you these questions, but I bet there's, I'm not going to give you these comments, but I, I get comments all the time of, but what you do doesn't matter or, but you're only going to motivate people to do it more or, you know, it doesn't scale. It's not going to solve the problem. I imagine you get stuff like that all the time from people. Not really. Oh, really? Oh, great. Oh man. I got to learn from you then how, how not to provoke those questions and those it's uh, cause when I looked at what you do, I thought my first thought was there's more than anyone can really make a difference on. I mean, we all make a difference. It's just how much of a difference you want to make and what you put your time to and, and all of that and, and what your focus is, all that. But the thing is, is, yeah, I mean, one person can only make so much of a difference. But when you bring 100,000 plus people together for a common cause and make it a positive experience for those people to keep coming back, that's how you make some real change. And and dude, your podcast, like most of the people that probably never heard of Living Lands and Waters, which is the name of the organization or my name, Chad Bergracki, and, and but because of you, the thing is so much, you know, because of you and, and basically I feel like you're a journalist really. And all the journalists and the media has really helped make the organization and, and the problem and get it out there. Cause otherwise if no one knew that I started out, I would never have built the momentum that we have. And I'd still be in a John boat out there just making a much smaller difference than what's been made since. So I don't know where I'm going with that. Just saying thank you for letting me be part of this. Well, I want to take the next step of what I see is that you're doing something. I think a lot of people would say, I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't want to get in the river and pick up other people's garbage. I Like, 
most people don't even want to reduce their own garbage, let alone deal with other people's garbage. And so I think they would think maybe this is something that's dirty. Maybe it's something that's ineffective. But I'm reading from you fun, community, falling in love. We were just chatting with his wife and you guys met before, but you guys fell in love picking up garbage together, something like that. Yeah. And (laughs) all right, I'm going to tell you what almost everyone else who comes to me with their environmental thing. It's almost always some sort of version of, you know, I'm doing well by doing good. I'm making this process a little bit more efficient or, you know, I'm getting this business and it turns out it's more profitable and we save energy. And virtually all of these things are, I don't know how I can say this. I'll say it the best I can. As I see, we live in a world that has like, we have an economic system that produces a lot of pollution. And that was fine for a long time, or at least people could kind of put it off for, for a long time because it wasn't really affecting them. But now there's no way, we can't get away from it. It's just everywhere. And they're looking at making something more efficient. Like maybe they're going to make an, a car electric or they're going to make some food that's not quite fast food, it's more salads. They're trying to take a system and like adjust this little, tweak this little thing and make it, oh, make this thing more efficient. I mean, more power to them. Small things add up to big things and and they really do, especially in the system like you're talking about. Like it is the little things at different scales. So I'm sponsored by lots of different big companies. And some of those people within those companies have honestly like done amazing things. And they're just, they're like this big, but then when you put them on a scale of like, you know, these big, like GM or something, you know, like, I mean, there's, I know a dude at GM, which he should be on this. His name is John Bradburn. He just retired. This guy, I mean, you talk about volume and mass amounts, but they started on small little increments and then he went plant to plant to plant to plant. And I don't, I don't mean to hijack the thing about John Bradburn. All I'm saying is it just those small things add up to big things. Every can, everything I pick up adds to the over, you know, close to 11 million pounds removed out of our rivers since, since I started. And I, I honestly think the small things and the tweaks are very honestly important, especially, you know, like, I mean, I'm just sponsored by so many different people and like the small tweaks within a company add up huge or at a school and, and just, so anyway, just throwing that out there. Most people talk about the scale of things, big versus small, whatever. But what I see in you is a joy. It's, it's, it's a different viewpoint. Here's what I see in you and tell me if, if it's off, but like you do education programs with, with schools, right? Yeah. Lots of them. Yeah. We have two, two full-time teachers on staff and, and, uh, they come, we have a floating classroom on a barge. And then when we're not doing that, they go into schools. And so, yeah. See, I'm reading you're you're making it fun. You're saying cleaning stuff up is not a burden. It's not a chore. It's, it's, I bet you'd say it's almost like a, a joy. It's a privilege. You get to do it. Dude, it's badass. We mixed, we mixed essentially like all-star wrestling and river cleanup together. And I'm not, I'm that's, that's honestly the best analogy I can give because it's like, we just added like smoke machines and laser beams and like, and, and theatrics and just whatever. And it's not, you know, it's not like kooky, weird stuff. It's just for the experience. If you're going to take time on a Saturday and you're going to bring your kids out, why not exceed their expectations? Because that's what'll keep them coming back, you know? Why not make it better than just, oh, I'm going to go out and pick some trash up. Why not show up at a boat ramp 
and then get in a boat and go out on the Mississippi River or the Illinois or the Ohio or the Missouri, wherever we would be, the Delaware or whatever, and go out to some island that they've never been on. And most people have never been in boats before. So that's an experience within itself. And then add some crazy theatrics, what they have no idea of what's going to go on. But then there's an expectation, like, what are they going to do next time I go? That sort of deal. So there's a multitude of reasons why to make it fun. But at the end of the day, you're dealing with a serious topic. It is go, go, go internally for the people here at Living Lands and Waters. And so we want to have fun too. You know, we don't, it's a doom and gloom type situation we're working with on a daily basis. And we live in some of the gnarliest places in the country, you know, places that are trashed. That's where we go. These sort of armpit places are forgotten towns and things. And we're sort of living in, in some really unique places. And, and so, yeah, we, we like to make it fun because we're not making a joke out of it. We're just trying to keep it light. And that's just, it seems to go far because too much passion, dude, turns people off. I, I can't tell you how many people I've been like, okay, you know, you know what I'm saying? And not everybody's like so like uh, focused on, you know, so. And you are. I mean, you you have to communicate it effectively. Yeah. But I'm reading that you love it. It's it's not like you have to do it. It's not like you're this idea of like you can make money by saving money. or I don't know how to put it because I don't like I'm reading the work itself is the greatest joy. Dude, it's awesome. You're exploring. It's it's you're picking up tons of stuff. Like you get to see your results on a daily basis. And how many people do not get to see the results? You know, or it's not monotonous by any means. It's it's a very adventurous job, and and it has a lot of positives. I mean, it has a, it has negatives. Don't get me wrong. It's still like it's a lot of work, and it's relentless, and all that. But uh, at this point, I absolutely love it. And and the biggest thing I've learned that makes it really exciting is. It is what you make it, and you can get creative with this. And and we have wonderful, you know, all the sponsors that sponsor us, like, they support us. Like, yeah, something new going on. It's like, yeah, try it. We'll see, you know, what happens. And we can do a lot of different things and just, yeah, it's exciting stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring. I anticipated something like this because I go out and I pick up at least one piece of trash a day. Yeah. And people are like, what's the point? I'm like, I like it. And I can't really explain it to people. And yeah, you're like, of course, why wouldn't you? But dude, the point is, I mean, you were talking about small and big. So yeah, okay, one, once a day, that's 365 pieces in a year. It adds up to big things, even the small things. And that's our whole organization and everything is all built on that. Like just the trees, you know, we started out with just planting trees out on the islands to create more food for wildlife. It was just, uh, just a need I saw and there was an opportunity and, uh, at this place who had just logged all this, all this land. And, and so I started planting trees and then we, somebody heard about it, wanted us to do it over there. And we did it over there and did it on this Island, that Island. And then it sort of broadened out. And then we set a goal of planting a million trees and we exceeded that by 500,000. So we're at like 1.5 million trees, somewhere close to that. My wife could tell you exactly how many trees because <laughs> uh-huh. she's in charge of it now. But uh, yeah, so, you know, it, it's tree by tree or, you know, island by island or whatever. It just, it's the small things. I just, and I don't go around thinking that. It's just what it is, you know, just, yeah, it's all built on that. To me, this is incredibly refreshing. So many people I talk to are just like, they have to convince you why what they're doing works and you're out doing it. 
Yeah, I don't know. You thank me. I'm thanking you. There. I've seen it work, <laughs> dude. And and it's like this, you know, change. Really what we're working for towards is not just cleaning up the garbage. That's the tangible. You saw it. You got it. The tonnage, whatever. The barge loads, that sort of deal. But it's the, it's the change. It's the change in how people act, you know, and what they do and what they don't do. And so we're working towards that. And change doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. it just, boom, it's done. Change, it happened. It's not always like that. It's change is slow. It's very slow. It's it's similar to our barge. You know, our barge is very heavy. It's bulky. It's cumbersome. It's huge. And it it takes a tremendous amount of power to to get it, get the momentum going. But then once it's going, it's going, it's going, it's hard to stop. So that's kind of how the change I've seen has has happened. And we have a lot of momentum. I mean, at least on the upper Mississippi River, like those small things all added up to big things. And and I, I mean small things as the every cleanup we did and what it took to get there and, and all the headaches and all the hassles. And dude, it's not only getting clean, it's being kept clean by lots of people. Like people aren't treating the river like they used to, period. It's so... It's it's happening, man. And dude, you come yeah, out you, anytime you want. You just, come visit us. Be cool. I'm looking forward to it. Especially, I don't think you said Hudson yet. You know what? Hey, there's a success story right there, and and I think it goes all the way back to like Pete Seeger and Robert F. Kennedy, the River Keepers, scenic Hudson. What? Who else is out? There's a ton of them. Awesome groups. So I put a boat in in Albany right, on the Hudson River. And I, I've heard, oh, you got to check the Hudson out. And I heard it's dirty and everything. I never really heard how beautiful it was, you know, never oh, really. Yeah. I had no, I put a boat in and then there was three of us. And then we had two people, myself, one other person in the boat, and then another person on land driving a truck and trailer because we were scouting it out. And, uh, dude, I went all the way down to New York City and was just like, there was no garbage there, man. It was like clean, and it was clean because there's wonderful groups doing it and basically maintaining the river and getting exactly what we've been doing here and so many other groups do. So, so, so many other places is just like focusing on it. And I just was blown away by the beauty of it, but how clean it was as well. Detroit River is another one. Dude, everybody's, oh, Detroit River. And in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, it's bad because I've heard all these people talk about it. I mean, there's hardly anything there. It's because there's people there cleaning up. It's just not a... Yeah, it was just, yeah, so. Can you describe the change? You you must have seen people go through a change, like maybe they volunteered once or twice or maybe many times. Because more valuable, I think, than cleaning up is not getting it in, in the first place and living a lifestyle or leading a community to where the community doesn't, would never think of dumping stuff in the river. I mean, I was seeing pictures of like in the 50s and 60s, people just drive their car into the river when they were done with their car and just leave it there. Yeah. But that's how it was then. It's not, uh, it's a different time now. Things are different. Now, different parts of the country are different, you know? So change is not happening as fast or in some place just doesn't, you know, things aren't happening as fast in certain parts. And, and so people are still dumping their cars in certain places, you know, there are. But uh, those are the places that you need to work. And that's that's a struggle actually is, is where you continue to build the momentum that you have or because you only have so much time and you can only go so many places in a year or a season. So it's like, do we go to these new places that need our help and where they need the momentum or do we keep building momentum? You know, so we try to like go into a place for as long as then we can, 
you know, there's other people sort of picking it up and not all the places does that happen, but, um, quite a few places, uh, it has happened. And so, yeah, that's kind of a, you gotta figure out what, where, where you're going to get the most too with, with the equipment we have and stuff. So there's, there's a lot to it than just going out there, you know? Yeah. It sounds like it's grown a lot farther, more than you expected in ways you didn't expect. Yeah, I'd really love to hear a story of like, have you seen one person change or have you seen one community change? Dude, I've seen the whole river, at least from St. Louis to St. Paul. It's hundreds of miles, man. It really has changed. And it's not me saying that. And I love saying this because this isn't the first time I said this, but it's not just me noticing it. It's like the towboat captains, the guys drive the barges, you know, The, the commercial fishermen out there, the just recreational boaters saying, what a difference you've made. They always say me, you know, and I'm always like, it's not just me. It's the thousands of people that have helped out, you know, but, uh, but yeah, no dude. So I don't have like, it, it really, there's been a lot of change and, and it's not just me noticing it. It's, it's so many people, so many of those volunteers have come up and just said it, but you know, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you got to keep going back, you know, and, and uh, you know, some places aren't, aren't as receptive, first year, second year, and maybe third or fourth year, some people come and then they have a good time. We exceed their expectations. They bring more people and it builds a momentum and, you know, it's, it's good stuff. Are there other people doing what you do? I don't mean just the river part, but like, I'm just trying to think of listeners. Thousands. If dude. listeners want to do, they could volunteer with you. They could donate to you. If they wanted to be you, like, should they start a barge? I'll tell you what, there's tons of local organizations wherever these people are that are listening, like there's a local organizations that just, they need their help. Yeah. Finances are always like needed from any organization, but they need talent too. You know, it's like, if you look at a board of directors on typically any organization, they're typically a lot older. And especially for organizations that have been around a long time, like they're starving for young talent. So I would encourage anybody listening to this, no matter the age, but, you know, you can use your talents in a big way. And even if it's like you're good with with computers, that's a huge or you're an accountant or whatever, a carpenter, whatever. You can find an organization that will utilize your talent. You don't always have to give money. Money is definitely more than appreciated. It's needed to operate. Money turns to props for us. This isn't a selling point for us. I would say go local would be a much better deal. And uh, there are thousands of, of people cleaning up the river. And uh, if you can't find some organization near you that fits what you want to do, then you know just do it on your own. But um, yeah, that's, that's what I think. Yeah, I, I was like, I thought you were going to say something like, if you're not near a river, clean up the desert. If you're not near a desert, clean up the forest. Well, yeah. I mean, clean, whatever. Do do what you want to do. You know, this isn't, I know this podcast is about the environment, but the bigger picture is just if everybody had a cause and they don't have to like, you know, dive in huge and like, you know, just get a barge and, you know, this whole deal. It's just, you just, if everybody had a cause that they at least donated to, meaning donated their time or services or thought about or whatever, the world just simply be a lot better place, you know, in general, just homelessness, whatever it is. Like, I just encourage people just to get involved like that and just, you know, they see a problem, you can do something about it, no matter how young or or how old. And it's, if I was anything, I might be an example of that because I'm not that, I'm just an average, like of average intelligence. And I don't really, you know, 
I'm just a normal person that has had enough, I guess, will or something to keep going with it and get some big results, you know? But yeah, there it is. Bam. <laughs> yeah, I suggest, I suggest that to a lot of people. And they, they often come back with like, yeah, but I got to make a living first. I got to get my resume packed first or something like you that. You can do it I'm all. Like, you should be able to do it all. There's no reason why you can't. Yeah, you can do that. You can make a living. You can, you can do whatever you want. Especially in this country. This is an amazing place. You can pretty much do whatever you want to do, and it will be what you make it. And that's not that I'm super well-traveled. I just know that this is really the land of opportunity, and for me, it's the opportunity to do good, and that's that's how I look at it. You can do it all, though. Yeah. If you like the show, I recommend acting, as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodek.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate. I love how you're a man who I think it's safe to, it's like your dreams have come true. You do what you love all the time. I suppose if there were no work left for you to do, you'd prefer that. I mean, you'd like to get there to where there's no, not, the rivers are all clean. We do. I mean, we work our way out of places a lot of times where there is no need to go back because the people are are continuing to, to clean it up. And so, but I mean, this isn't like a grand plan, you know, it's just like what works and what doesn't. And if it doesn't work, you try something new and yeah, maybe not dreams come true. It's more like you're happy. You're, you're like, but I think from the outside people would, people are afraid of picking up garbage and they're afraid of not producing so much garbage in the first place. And they all want to get someone else to do it and make it say, well, government should do it. Corporations should do it. And no, we, really we, we are the government though. That's the thing. We, we, the people. So it's like, yeah, we're the government. You know, it's like I don't know. I just that's how I always thought. Like, yeah, there wasn't there wasn't a government agency doing dedicated to cleaning up the river. You know, there wasn't anybody doing it when I started, and just that was part of the I guess problem. There just wasn't any focus in on it, and so. But I always thought that we are the people. So if there's a problem, you can't always rely on the government. They can they can really make big sweeping changes. Don't get me wrong, but the government's pretty cumbersome as far as bureaucratic. Sometimes it takes a long time to <laughs> get things going. Whereas like an individual can, can get things done quicker sometimes. And certainly companies dude are really important because if you got somebody at the top of a company says, boom, we're not going to use plastic bottled water anymore at our place. Guess what? It's boom, it's done. We're not going to use plastic bottled water at our place anymore. You know, the companies are really key to driving a lot of this. And sometimes the government follows after and sometimes the people, but the employees have to follow. So I think uh, most most companies are changing and some of them change faster. Than, I mean, the most recent one I, I know of is John Deere. Like they've always been green, okay? I mean, they're John Deere green or green. But I mean- Behind the scenes, they have done amazing things, like with their production, in their plants, 
I mean, it's, it's, I'm just giving you one example of so many, but now that, you know, in the last year or so, the CEO's like, we have so many great things we've been doing and, and uh, we should at least let people know what we're doing, not in a cheesy way, but people in general, stakeholders in the company want to know what their environmental plans are, what they've done. And, and, uh, and I've worked with these guys for a long time and it was so cool to, to be able to, when they told me, yeah, we, we're really trying to do as much as we can. And just that's one company. I mean, dude, a lot of the ag companies have been trying to change in a big way. And, and yeah, it's just, like I said, change slow. It doesn't happen overnight, but at a company, things can happen pretty quickly for, uh, and, and have huge results, you know? So, yeah. And how does it, you, <laughs> I love when you say change happens slow, so many people say to me, you're not going to be able to make a difference in time. And you are, I'm reading change happens slow. And that is motivation to work more. Yeah. Not give up. You got to work a lot. Yeah. Tammy, do I work a lot? Never stops. Do you work a lot? Never stops. Yeah, we work a lot. <laughs> yeah, but it's cool. I mean, you, you know, I don't know. We like what we do. So does it feel like work sometimes, but most times it's just like doing what you do, you know? So it's like burpees, dude. You did two burpees, three burpees, four burpees. And now look at you're at 150,000 burpees. I mean, where are we at on that? You know, boom. That's what I'm talking about. So before I hit record, I asked you, you asked me why I said yes to you and not the others. What's up with that? Yeah. You never really answered. Wait, is that not obvious from what I've been saying? Uh, I guess not. I don't know. Sometimes you just got to tell me directly, but (laughs) it's the difference. (laughs) It's the difference in attitude toward other people are, they look at the environment as like a burden and a chore that they have to do. And so they're trying to get away around just rolling up their sleeves and actually enjoying stewardship. Like they're treating it like it's something we have to get away from. We have to, like they're, they're distancing themselves from the mess. And I'd love to live in a world where there wasn't a mess. But I, like when I pick up garbage, people who look at me from the outside might think, oh, he's getting himself dirty because I'm touching stuff on the ground that other people disposed of. And I, speaking of the beauty around here, I got to say the other day I was taking a walk with my mom and now she's run a marathon. She trained for a marathon. And that if you train for a marathon, it means you've run everywhere around you because you, you just got to put the miles in. Yeah. So I was like, hey, let's go down this way. And she was like, oh, I've never gone that way before. So we walked down this path that she's never, it's like a road. And at one point there's, the road goes over a stream and the stream, the road is on the edge of a forest, not forest, but a, a tree area. Yeah. So to the left is the stream is like a wooded stream and it's beautiful. I'm going to send you a link to Hudson River School because the paintings. It's like, it is right out of a painting. Stunningly beautiful. Yeah. To the right, not prairie, but it's like, um, it's flat, kind of marshy. Also stunningly beautiful. Okay. Also just by the side of the road over the, like there's a little bit of grass before the edge of the bridge. There's a giant trash bag that's bursting open. It looked like used diapers cool. and bottles and stuff. And they're everywhere. It's like, I'm, that's just the biggest thing. This one big bulging bag of trash, but there's trash everywhere. And part of me would prefer to not notice it and say, well, it's still beautiful anyway. But all of my picking up garbage attunes me more than before to seeing it. And it fills me with disgust. 
But this is not a problem. Like, I'd rather it not be there. But if it's there, I would rather feel disgust than not. I'd rather be more aware of it than less aware of it if it's there, because it motivates me to pick up more. Now, I didn't pick up any of that garbage because I didn't feel like picking up any diapers that day. You lost. <laughs> maybe I'll pick it up later. And it's probably still there, dude, because if you didn't, yeah, who knows who did. And I would rather, if that's my world, I would rather be part of that and do something about it and act on it than say, oh, that's just a mess. And I'd, but I'd rather look the other way. I don't want to look the other way. I want to dive into it. I saw this video of this guy in New Zealand and he and his wife made a, I think they're in the suburbs of some city in New Zealand and they bought a house and they turned it into what they called a, um, a food forest. So it's like mostly edible trees, but it's like, they showed a, a, a what do you call it? A drone shot, like from above. And you can see this plot of land is like tons of trees. I mean, it's like trees everywhere. And then next to it's all these manicured lawns. And there's a really interesting I love what this guy says. He says, a lot of people ask, why don't you just go off and live in the wilderness? He says, I don't want to go to the wilderness. I want to go to a place that's messed up and I want to fix that place. I want to leave it better than I found it. In a way that resonated with me that I saw it years ago. And I want to, human beings have the capacity to dump tires in rivers and to dump dirty diapers in beautiful streams. We also have the capacity to clean that up and make it as beautiful as it ever was before. Yeah. No, I, I enjoy that too. Making some, making something that isn't so nice, making it nice. It's, it's kind of a passion. So, I mean, yeah. you know, my wife and I fix up old buildings and salvage a lot of our stuff. We have other interests other than just cleaning up rivers, but that's what we mainly do. But no, I, I would, I would agree with that totally. And, and thing is, man, is people can make such a big difference just for wildlife and the environment, just, in their yards, if if they just make it conducive, like planting those apple trees and and you know maybe not a food forest, but just just plants and trees and that are conducive for wildlife and will attract wildlife. Yeah, it's like a desert. Just grass is just like a desert, man. There's nothing that lives in it, you know. And and just their landscaping and you know researching what kind of plants are good for the areas they live in and what's going to attract wildlife you can make a huge difference if you plant it they will come which i live next to iowa and the whole you know field of dreams things if you build it they will come but it is true that's how you make a really big difference and that's how the world changes like if this person does this in this yard they're going to see all the wildlife going over to this person's yard and and that that's a really good way to make a big difference in my opinion is just plant things that are conducive for wildlife in your yard. And oak, a simple oak tree. You know, that's why we plant oaks because they create, they, they have acorns and, I mean, all the animals that eat those. And, you know, small steps, dude, make up big things. Let's back to that. There we go. We're back to that. Why we can't get off of that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now does it make sense why, like, do you think that most people talk like you? I mean. I saw if that was too personal a question. I don't know. I have no idea, dude. I don't know. I mean, I guess not, but I'm, I'm not like, I'm not an exceptional, but I'm just, just kind of this, whatever makes sense. You know, things make sense sometimes. Yeah. I think most people are a little afraid of, of doing what you've done. And as I said that, you're like, no, you're, they can't see the video. You're like, no, it's not hard. You just got to work your ass off, man. That's what you got to do. Hard work. You can, you can. Through hard work, you can do a lot, like in general. It, 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 you can apply that to anything you want to achieve, you know, whatever that is. 
if you, you you might not be the smartest person, but you can, if you work really hard, you can outwork the next person. That's how I look at it too. If, if, if like you can, you can do a lot through hard work and persistence, things like that. So now I'm kind of curious, how did it happen that went from just you? How did it ramp up? Do you remember? It ramped up because it's like the Mississippi river. I mean, it wasn't overwhelming. It was like, if I got, if I had one more person, I could do twice as much as I could do. If I had three people, I could do three times as much. And it just, like I said earlier, this isn't like a, it wasn't a grand plan. You know, I certainly have plans now and plan things better now. Cause that's just progression and, and have a great team to, to, to be able to help do that. But, uh, you know, it was, it was just simply like, yeah, if you get more people, you can get more done, you can get more results and you can do this faster. And, and, uh, and so that's, that's how it grew. It wasn't, didn't have a, a solid grand plan. And sometimes those plans don't happen when you want them to, and you just got to stick with that. And then when the opportunity comes, then you implement it and just, you know, sort of just making your way, you know, and you got to work with what you got. If you don't have a, a office manager, ask your mom, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, that's who my <laughs> office manager was till, and she worked for free until I had to fire her and she didn't talk to me for six months. And, uh, because she was <laughs> <laughs> like an Eagle on people, you know, like, yeah. And then I bought her tickets to the play and I was back in. So let me just, that's a little life lesson. Um, <laughs> no, but, uh, that was a growing pain, you know, at the time, like my mom was so into it, so passionate about it that I was trying to get other office people and it was, it was just, it was hard to get somebody to come and work. And I don't know why I told that story. I hope she doesn't hear this, but, uh, <laughs> but it's true though, man. I mean, you know, just, you got to work with what you got and, um, and, and yeah, so boom. <laughs> I really appreciate this. And, and this is, it's, in in one way, it's what I was hoping for because um, I wanted to get this view of like, this is a joy. This is like, of course, do it. Work hard. Enjoy it. Like dive into it. But I didn't know precisely how it would come out. And I'm really glad to have gotten this. I'd like to wrap up with, is there anything you'd like to share directly with the listeners of, it could be about something we talked about or it could be anything else. Yeah. I mean, just the only thing that would come to my mind is not necessarily about the environment, just about like you talk about dreams a lot, you know, dreams and dreams. And I kind of think dreams are, I mean, they're kind of fluffy, you know, you have to, if you got like an idea or a dream or whatever, you, you really need to think about it. If, if you really want to do it and you need to think about it a lot and you need to think about why it won't work first. And if the good of why it would work will outweigh the bad, then then you you just keep going over it and over it till you refine that dream into a, not only just a vision but a pretty clear vision of the path to do that. And then you take all those small steps you need, just one a day, dude, just one a day towards that bigger goal or that bigger vision. And because dreams are kind of like, I just feel like, oh, it would be a dream. It doesn't sound realistic, but dreams really everything is realistic. And, and, uh, I seriously am a big proponent of, of like the American dream, for instance, or, or like, meaning this is a great place to make those sort of ideas or visions happen. And, and I think it's very doable, you know, any, any, really anything. Cause when people talked about cleaning up the Mississippi river or whatever, you know, a million trees, it was kind of like, yeah, right. You know, all that stuff. And 
people didn't necessarily believe, but it is, you just keep doing it and you can work real hard and you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. And, um, so that, that would be the only thing that didn't really elaborate on, but I would encourage people just to do it like that. Just, just don't get overwhelmed by it. Just be like, Hey, this is what I really want to do. And then you just got to figure it out, you know, and, uh, make it happen. You know? Well, I can't add to that. Chad and, and Tammy Pergraki, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. And thanks for what you do, man. And, uh, letting so many people know of all the different people doing different great things. And, and, uh, like I said, if it wasn't people like you, I'd still just be in a boat by myself, just out on the river. And, 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 uh, so I appreciate getting the word out, man, what you're doing and stay safe. And, uh, we're in some weird times, but, uh, we'll get through them. And, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, man. Yeah. Well, I hope to, I hope to fill up a lot of other boats and hopefully get some other boats out there from listeners. Actually, how, how should they find you? Should they contact you or, or I mean, they can go to living, living land, living lands and waters, living lands and waters.org. And, um, yeah, there we are. Check it out. And, uh, dude, if you ever, you know, things settle down or whatever, uh, with the virus, uh, you ever want to come out on the river and spend some time, you're more than welcome to. We'd love to have you. Yeah. And if you're, when you're in New York, anywhere near New York, let me know. And I'll have you over for some of my famous no packaging vegetable stew. Sounds great, man. Sounds <laughs> great. All right, buddy. You take care. All right. Thanks okay. for having me, man. Thanks, bud. See you. Thank you. I heard a guy doing what everyone says is tilting at windmills, enjoying it. I see him changing culture by living the change himself and bringing others on board. In the same world, so many people throw up their hands and lament that there's nothing that they can do. What I do doesn't matter. He's enjoying himself and he's cleaning the world, leading others to change, to produce less garbage, not just clean stuff up. Other people are putting less garbage in, which I presume means that they're getting less garbage in the first place. And if they're not, it's going to happen soon. If you say, yeah, but it's not enough. There's a whole world. Well, do your equivalent. He outperformed his expectations and he's enjoying himself. There's no reason that you can't do the same for yourself in your life, in your community. I brought him on because I envision a world where, like him, everybody does their part. That's cultural change. Not saying government should change, maybe they should. Corporations should change, maybe they should. But he is cleaning the world and keeping it that way. That means changing culture where we all don't pollute. You can be jaded, you can be holier than thou, or you can get your hands dirty. You can work and enjoy a life of stewardship, responsibility, joy, community, and connection, because that's what I heard coming from Chad. He sounds like he's enjoying himself a lot and making a difference. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step-by-step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.